Let's talk about this error conversation. I think it's super interesting. It's been a long time since we've all started using GraphQL, and this topic still exists, which is funny. You know, there's been proposed, like, you know, how different companies proposed it via in responses, throwing errors. There's, like, error catching, all that type of stuff. Maybe we should just settle the debate right here and just <laughs> tell people where we stand. And then if someone ever asks us again, they can watch this episode because I don't want to talk about errors anymore. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, where, where do you stand, Max? This is actually, this is... One of the topics, I feel like the, the relay pagination has taken over a lot more than any specific error pattern, which is interesting to me. And I think the main reason is just because somebody wrote down the relay pagination spec, right? And everybody knows what that means. And just because that spec exists, most people kind of follow that spec, right? They sort of get the reason for it. Maybe they don't, maybe they do, but they usually they follow it, right? And for most use cases, it kind of makes sense. And actually, from a tooling perspective, having that and knowing that means that we can actually build support for relay pagination in various ways into our tooling. Right, And it makes the tooling much better knowing how pagination works. And I, I long for people to do the same thing with errors. I long for there to be just the thing that most people do with errors. Sure, there's always going to be cases where there's going to be different errors. But most of the time, this is how you should be handling errors. That doesn't exist. Mark, in, in, in your experience, what, what have you tried and, and what has worked or not worked for returning errors from GraphQL queries. So one thing is you've got those like GraphQL errors, right? The ones that are appearing in the errors key of the response, which are part of the spec. I think we've gotten pretty much a consensus in the community that those should be reserved for like developer facing errors, like something went wrong with the query and not necessarily a product error, like um, this mm -hmm. product is out of stock, for example. So I think we at least got there most of the case, even though if you look at GitHub's public API still uses that errors key. And I think that's going to be very hard to migrate from. So <laughs> that's one thing. Then as far as the better pattern is, I mean, the ones I've seen the most often so far is like having that mutation wrapper type, which has an errors field. And then that's an array of errors. That's in contrast with another one gaining popularity where it's not the mutation wrapper type is not an object type. It's a union type with a success type in it and then various mm -hmm. error types, which is super nice uh, because you, you, look at a, you look at your schema and you know what can happen. The reason I think it might be hard to make into a spec is one, it's hard for certain existing code bases to know what errors could happen. <laughs> First of all, there's a lot of code bases like, yeah, we catch errors and we shove them in an array is a lot easier than mapping to a specific type. And then the other one that I've noticed with the union pattern is it often handles only one error. Like you've got your success type or a product out of stock type or product whatever type. In many cases, your API actually wants to return multiple errors. So that's why I usually tend with the array solution because it's more, it's a bit more flexible and you can return multiple errors. But the downside is your schema is not telling, right? You look at an array of errors and you have no idea what's actually going to be there at runtime. So I think we can push it as far, if we were to push it like really in a nerdy way, I think probably the best pattern is like a union between success and error. And then that error type has an array of the errors that happened. And nice. within that array, 
errors can be one of a union <laughs> of the types uh, of the errors that can happen. And they all implement the same interface so that clients can select on an interface for like additional errors that are added in the future, which if you took a look at that approach uh, on paper, it, there's a lot of additional types and clients need to write pretty complex queries for what seems like a simple mutation. So I'm not sure I recommend this approach. I think it's the kind of like the on paper best approach, uh, but due to complexity, the amount of types you need to create and client, maybe it's not the best approach. So as you can see, I'm not too sure on the, <laughs> the best approach, but I've got a bunch of ideas. Yeah. I mean, I think embedding errors is fine in whatever format, but I just worry about all the tools that you may be using that are not GraphQL aware. Mm -hmm. So you don't want two hundreds on errors that may be happening. Or you're tracking HTTP 200s and you're getting a bunch of fake metrics because, you know, everything's run returning 200. And now you have to go instrument something differently and you've never done that before in your life. Like, so something, you know, these different situations that you may be in. It might be best to just throw an error and just console.error or whatever, <laughs> you know, and move on. Yep. No, but in reality, you could just, you know, error.stack and trace and just be like, everything's a developer error until you figure some pattern out for yourself, right? I'm not saying that's the one I would go with. I would go with what Mark said, because that's way smarter, but... Uh... <laughs> no, but you've got a point though. You've got a point. I'm sure, Max, I'm sure you've dealt with that with GraphCDN, like if you only get 200s, like, I mean, that's one part of GraphQL that really sucks, right? You need to go look into the response and make sense of the data, because there's no conventions. So yeah, it's a big thing. Which makes sense, right? If I'm in a world where I have a where I send maybe multiple mutations in one go, and then some of them will error, some of them will success, what's the status code of the entire request, right? Because GraphQL lets you select multiple things in one, in one request, mm -hmm. having an overall status code that reflects the status of the request is kind of impossible because yeah. maybe different fields just have error than other time, right? So, so then what is the status code? And that's, I think, something also that I didn't realize before co-founding GraphCDN is we actually do need GraphQL-specific tooling, which sounds really ridiculous coming from me because that's what I'm doing, but it's like you do actually need GraphQL-specific tooling because it is so different than what everybody does. And when, when you just look at GraphQL, it doesn't look that different. I mean, obviously, it's very different, right? But these fine differences of status codes don't really make sense anymore in a world where you have GraphQL, right? Because you do actually have errors, but also maybe you have success at the same time. And all these fine differences, they add up to something to, to, to a point where many companies, they, they come to us and they're like, yeah, my tooling doesn't work anymore. Like, this is so different, even though it's kind of the same, it's so different that my tooling doesn't work anymore. And we actually do need some specific tooling, particularly around observability and error tracking. In terms of the errors, we actually, for now, have decided to, we offer error tracking, but only on the errors, sort of top-level errors key in the response. So if there's like any errors in there, we'll track them and send you, and then there's like alerts and you can get emails and whatever. We haven't touched any of the schema errors because the way I think also you just described it, Mark, if I were to, if I were to summarize your approach, is like, if you have something that developers need to know about, you throw an error and it gets returned in the errors array at the top level. If you have an error that users need to care about that they need to know because they entered the wrong password, because the product is out of stock, because there's something that is related to your product, you want to encode that in the schema. And the benefit of that is that the UI can then have a list of all of the available errors and handle each one of them, right? It's like, okay, if the product is out of stock, then we need to do something in the UI, right? The client needs to handle that state specifically. Whereas if the server just sends back, like, I crashed, then obviously the UI just needs to like, that's always the same, right? The UI just shows a generic, something happened, something went wrong, we're mm -hmm. sorry, please try again, or whatever. Which I think just makes a ton of sense. It does, yeah. No, it, 
I mean, just the fact that, you know, like you just said, Graph CDN chose to go for the Eris key first. I think a lot of us do that because that's where there's the most convention. So like Abby has a point in terms of like right now, it probably will give you better results, but long-term, I don't know. Like we all agree that Eris is part of the schema is nice, but in reality, like so much tooling works on the Eris key, as you said. So it's a, it's a weird situation we're in. And like even observability, as you touched, uh, on right now, there are some really tricky scenarios. Let's say the password, wrong password error. If you're just like, I know some people use errors like in an even simpler way where you have a field that says like error with a string. And then that field is wrong password where there's an error. That is super hard to have observability on. So you can, with REST, like you at least have like a 422, for example, for like validation errors. And you can look at your dashboard and see a spike in 422s. That's not an internal server error, but it should probably still alert people. Like you, you don't have like passwords failing for everybody all of a sudden. And there's a lot of GraphQL APIs out there that basically are flying in the dark for validation errors where you need super custom observability to catch those kind of things. So, yeah. Yeah. And wrap like Sentry in your resolvers and get like really into it. 